calling Amongst Life. And this series is really birthed out of a, a time when I, earlier this year, I went to a monastery and I stayed there for a week. And, and this is kind of some of the takeaways and what I learned from these amazing, amazing men. In week one, we talked about reverence, and we had a Rabbi Moshe, a good friend of mine here, and he talked about putting God at the center again. And then last week, we talked about time and making, making your life a masterpiece. Eric, Pastor Eric, shared last week. Give him some love. He did great last week. Man, that was fantastic. And, and today, I, I want to talk to you about silence. Silence. Push back the noise so you can hear God's voice. You know, in your chairs is a Monk's Life card. I want to encourage you to take that home with you. It's, it's to help you during this Lent season. Every week we have a challenge on there that we would love for you to participate in. I've got mine up on my bathroom mirror to remind me every day this is what I'm doing as we are preparing for the Easter season. So today I want to talk to you about silence and a great story in Scripture is in 1 Kings 19. So if you have a Bible, let's go to 1 Kings 19. If you don't, I encourage you to download version, a great version of the Bible. I read out of the uh, New Living Translation. And as you're looking that up, 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, if you're new to the Scriptures, let me give you some background on this guy named Elijah that we're going to be talking about today. He was a prophet, the voice for God. He lived about 900 years before Jesus, and he spoke the words of God to God's people. And not only that, he performed incredible miracles, raised a kid from the dead, um, healed people. He, uh, he made it stop raining for three years. And then he said, all right, I'm going to make it rain again. Boom, and it started raining again. Drop the mic on that one. I mean, that's insane. Then, it, then he, uh, some of you know the story where he had that confrontation with the prophets of Baal, the false prophets that he confronted them on the, on the mountain, and, and they tried to pray down fire from heaven for their God, and he wasn't listening. And I, I remember this. I'll say this real quick. Elijah, I love this. The prophet of Almighty God, it's in Scripture. He said this, hey, maybe perhaps he's relieving himself. Did you, you can't say that. It's in there. That's what he said. I thought, I can hang with that dude. I like this guy. And, and then Elijah goes, all right, dude. And Elijah, Elijah says a simple prayer, fire comes down from heaven. Well, the, the king and queen of Israel weren't exactly following God, and they got pretty ticked off about it because they liked worshiping Baal. And so they, the queen um, threatened his life and was hunting him and trying to kill him. And that's where we pick up this story. And let's start in chapter 19, verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid, as he should be, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness. Some of the, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. He went on alone into the wilderness and, and when he was in the wilderness, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, check this out, and there, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Can you, how awesome would that be? You take a nap and somebody's baked you a hot meal. 
That is, that's the prayer I want answered this afternoon. In Jesus' name. That would, God, make it so. So he ate and drank, lay down. Then the angel of the Lord came again, touched him and said, you got to get up. You got to eat some more. The journey ahead is way too much for you. And so he gets up and he drinks. And then he, he takes off for 40 days and 40 nights, heads to Mount Sinai, which is called the mountain of God. Somebody say the mountain of God. Come on, the mountain of God. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. There he came to a cave where, where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? And Elijah, he says this, man, I've zealously served the Lord and the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They tore down the altars. They killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me. God said, go out and stand before me on the mountain. As Elijah, Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. Woo. How many of you want that today? You just want the Lord just to pass by. Just, you just pass by me. That's, we gather in this presence in this, in this atmosphere, it's so the presence of God can pass by and just catch a, a, just a grasp of who God is. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then the wind, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. That's when Elijah heard it. He heard the voice of God. And he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out. And he stood at the entrance of the cave. It's kind of what we are doing right now in this moment. We're standing, anticipating God to speak. Are, are you anticipating God to speak? Are, 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 are you anticipating that, that he just might have a word for you. Man, we come in here today with this sense of anticipation. Like, God, what do you got for me? I'm ready, I'm willing, and I am able. Come on, somebody, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Father, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. And the people said, Amen. All right, you can sit down. Somebody get that, please. It's going to play into what I'm about to say, and you're going to wish you'd put your phone on silent. <laughs> That's the worst, isn't it? Like, you're like, I forgot to silence my phone. Some of you right now are like, did I silence my phone? Check it right now. It's okay. No condemnation here at all. Man, let's talk about noise for a minute, okay? Like, this world is a noisy place. You can't get away from noise, can you? It seems like that, that noise is, is increasing. And, and weird, the weird thing is noise is, is normal. Silence is not, but noise is, is normal. Like we wake up in the morning, and before our feet even hit the ground, we grab for noise. And we're checking and we're letting noise into our lives before our feet even hit the ground. And then when our feet hit the ground, then there are people that are pulling on us. And if you're a parent, there's little people like this that are pulling on you before your feet even hit the ground. Amen, mom and dad? 
I mean, they're pulling on you. You get out in the, in the world and people are pulling on you. And there's obligations and there's practices and, and, and there's meetings and there's deadlines and there's sales calls and there's uh, appointments and then there's more practices and, and, and then there's email and then there, there's a text I've got, my notifications, and then there's a dreaded voicemail. Why do people still leave a voicemail? I do not know. That, to me, is, is equivalent to what hell is going to be like, doing nothing but checking people who've randomly butt-dialed you. That is what hell is going to be like. But it's just, it is so noisy that silence feels awkward. And that was just 10 seconds. <laughs> that was 10 seconds! Felt like 10 minutes, didn't it? Can you imagine a week of that? That was my life when I went to the monastery. Like, I knew these guys didn't talk, but I didn't know they meant they didn't talk. Like, when they take a vow of silence, it's, by, by the way, when they take a vow of silence, I found out it's not that they, it's in the way we would think of it. Their vow of silence is basically that they, they keep their talk to a minimum. They only talk when they feel it is necessary. And can I tell you, after a week with them, there is nothing they deem necessary to talk about. <laughs> I was dying. I, mean, I remember the first meal. I went to the first meal. They don't talk when they eat. Okay. I'm, I have four kids, and, and, and I just used to noise around the table, and noise, and noise, and when you sit down to eat, nobody's talking. I, I remember when I went down to the meal time, I didn't even know where I was going, I'm wandering through the monastery, I mean, there's not a sign that says, cafeteria this way, I mean, it just doesn't have that, and so, but I saw this line of men, and some of them were wearing robes, and I was like, must be the line for the cafeteria, and I, I'm not kidding you, I walked into the hallway with them all, and I said, hey, how's it going? And they're all looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then we go in for the meal. Nobody talks during the meal. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, I'm thinking I gotta have some like salt. I'm like, hey. He's handing me the pepper, and I'm like, not at the pepper. I'm thinking, no, that, you know, yeah. He's passing me that. I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, great. Now I need a butter knife. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a knife. This is what I'm about to do to you. Give me a knife. (laughs) Now, they don't talk at all from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., some of your parents are like, that's my takeaway today. We're going home, and we're instituting this in our home. No talking between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. No talking at all. I mean, it was, they only have one time that they really talk, and that is, and I'm, I'm not making this up, Thursday afternoons. They call it recreation time. Thursday afternoons, all rules are off. 
and they go out on what they call, they go out on a hike, and they have like a thousand acres, and they hike all over the place, and, and, and they can talk, and I mean, man, they can talk, because I mean, imagine if you didn't talk for a week, uh, and so they are loud, they are laughing, they are singing. You can hear them like three miles away. It is hilarious. And then they come back and back to dinner. No more talking. For another week. So here's what I learned, here's what I learned from the monks. I like to talk. <laughs> and I like people to talk to me. Anybody, anybody feeling that? Come on, if you're a talker, turn to somebody right now and go, I like to talk. I like to talk. Yeah, the rest of you, it's cool. You can be the listener. You can be the listener right now. That's great. I, I, I discovered I like to talk, but, but I did learn something uh, very significant because these were amazing, amazing men. And what I learned, I'd like for you to write this down because I think this is so important for us to remember. Simple statement. Silence creates space. Silence creates space. Silence creates space so that we can hear the most important voices in our lives. And what's happening today that most of us are completely unaware of is all of this noise around us is drowning out the most important voices that we need to be listening to but we can no longer hear them. So I like this story about Elijah because Elijah's got a lot of noise in his life. And he's a prophet of Israel. He's doing healings. He's raising the dead. He's making it stop raining, start raining, challenging the prophets of Baal. Now he's got the queen who's hot on his tail, wanting to kill him. And Elijah's running for his life. And, and he ends up alone in the silence of the wilderness. And this is where God begins to speak to him about his life. Look with me again at 1 Kings 19.4. It says this, Then he, Elijah, went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, and he sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. Say, say this next part with me. I have had enough, Lord. You did not say that from the gut. You did not say that from what you really mean. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about how busy it is, how noisy it is, all of the struggles and the problems and the issues and the heartaches and the people that are pulling on you and emails that are waiting on you and the notifications. Now I want you to say it like you mean it. Can you say it with me again? I have had enough, Lord. This is where Elijah is at. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. You think about it, Elijah is, is pushing himself, and he is just completely exhausted. And now he's got the queen after him, and he is, he is running for.
So we worked that into the message, and we just wanted to see if anybody would catch it. Um, all right, so where was I? Oh, yeah, so Elijah. Elijah, he's, he's pushing himself, and he's just exhausted. Now, the queen is, is hunting him down, and he's, he's running for his life. And like I just said a moment ago, m- most of us, if you didn't hear me because the microphone wasn't working, most of us are not running for our lives, but many of us are running through our lives. We're pushing ourselves to, to next, the next appointment, the next meeting, the next call, the next notification, the next email, the next text, the next, the next, the next, the next, and we are completely exhausted because we are pushing ourselves so hard. Write this down. Silence creates space to hear my spirit. Silence creates space so I can hear my spirit. See, Elijah is running at a breakneck speed. He's completely exhausted. His mind, his body, and his soul are trying to tell him that he needs to slow down, but he can't hear it over all of the noise in his life. He's not listening to his spirit. I think the one voice that so many of us aren't listening to is our own. Your body Your soul, your spirit, your mind is trying to tell you, send you signals to you, but you're not catching it. Saying things to you like this, we'll we'll say stuff like this. Man, I don't know why I'm so tired. That's your spirit trying to key you in. Like, man, I I don't know why I'm so flustered. I I don't, man, I I just, you ever find yourself saying, man, I just can't think straight. That's your spirit crying out. To you, saying, hey, pay attention to me. Man, you ever had your mind just go blank? You ever forgotten somebody's name and you're married to them? I mean, our spirit is trying to speak, but, but we're not listening. Elijah wasn't listening, and he had to get into the silence of the wilderness so that he could listen to his Spirit. Oftentimes we turn up the noise to drown out the noise we don't want to deal with. Come on, somebody. Man, I, I don't want to deal with that problem right now. I don't want to deal with that struggle. I don't want to deal with that issue. I, I, I don't want to deal with that frustration. I don't want to think about that right now. And so we turn up the noise. I, or, or sometimes it's just your own voice you're trying to drown out about your own inadequacies, your, your own shortcomings, your, your, your feelings of, of failure that I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And I, man, I, I'm not pretty enough. And, and so I'll do anything to, I'll just, I'll just turn up the noise as loud as I can to drown out that noise so I don't have to deal with it. I'll, I'll, I'll turn up the, the noise of, of social media. I'll turn up the noise of, uh, of Netflix. I'll turn up the noise of, of YouTube. I'll turn up the noise, whatever noise I can get to drown it out. I like to sleep. Anybody like to sleep? I'm a sleeper. I love to sleep. Some of you aren't raising your hand because you've been asleep for the last 10 minutes. That's okay. Nappers, my nappers in the house, high five somebody and say, nap is God-given. A nap is God-given. Yes, it is. 
I'm telling you, I have discovered, we talk a lot about a purpose in this church. Can I tell you what my purpose is? My purpose is to get to bed tonight. That is my purpose, God-given, God-breathed, God-ordained. God is calling me to my bed, and I cannot wait to get there. I love to sleep, but it's so funny, even when you're trying to sleep, you ever notice there's just noise even when you're trying to sleep? There's noise. Like at our house, man, we've got, uh, we've got a lot of noise, and his name is Otis. He's a great Dane, and he likes to get up two, three times a night and turn circles in his bed over and over. It sounds like a Clydesdale stomping in our bedroom, and I'm like, lay down already. And if it's not him, it's my neighbor's late-night Leonard Skinner party that they're holding. Man, I just want to open the window, play Freebird, but I'm like, Seriously? I, can you not turn? So I decided I'm going to get a sound machine because I'd heard about sound machines. And I was like, I heard that thing drown out the noise. So I got one. And I, and I was like, and so I put it on. And I'm not making this up. The very first night, I woke up at 11, 12, 1, 2, and 3 and had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> when I got back to the bedroom at 3 a.m., I thought, I'm only in my early 50s. This is not be happening to me. And then I realized I was listening to Rain. So I, I switched it over, and uh, somebody told me about white noise. And I didn't know this, but white noise will mask um, all, it blends all the different frequencies that you can hear, blends them all together so it can drown out all of the noise. And so you don't hear the noise anymore, and it's been working. And that is exactly what we are doing so often in our lives is I don't like the problem. I don't like my inadequacies. I don't like the struggle. I don't want to deal with that problem. So we turn up the noise, the white noise in our life so I can drown it out so I don't have to deal with it. So I'm going to get to the Netflix. I'm going to get to the YouTube. I'm going to get to the social media, whatever I've got to do because I can't be silent because it comes rushing in on me. But silence creates space so that I can hear my spirit. What can happen to us is we can, we can push ourselves so hard that, that we are, we're running through life. And, and if you just do nothing but run through life and you never slow down and you never stop and you run through life, eventually you will want to run from your life. I mean, we've all had those fantasies, haven't we, of like just running away, <laughs> You know, you know what I'm talking about? Where you're like, you see, so awesome to go to the beach right now. I'm just, I'm gonna go there in my head, but I just want to get in my car and I want to drive to it, and I'm gonna leave this two-year-old right here. They'll be safe. They'll be fine. Come on, moms. You know what I'm talking about. You just have those moments where you're like, I just want. Laura and I, a couple of years ago, we were in Breckenridge, Colorado. And uh, we had this getaway that we had so much fun. And, and we were in downtown. And in the downtown, we went to this little church. And they had like 40 or 50 people. And they met in a house. And the worship leader, he, um, he just played an acoustic guitar. That's all they had. He wasn't wearing shoes. I wasn't sure if it was because he couldn't afford them or if it was the mountain thing to do. You know, I wasn't sure. And, but it was, it was cool. And then when you stepped outside, across the street was a coffee shop. And I thought to myself, I could do this. I could do this. I could preach at this neat little church. I could make coffee during the week. Come on, honey, let's do it. Let's do it. She's like, we have four kids at home. I know. I know, but they can raise themselves. We've left them food. We can do that. We all have moments like that, right? Or man, I just I just want to check out. Elijah, prophet of God, he wants to check out. I don't know if you're catching it, catching the vibe of the scripture here, but catch it, he says, take my life. What does that mean? 
He's having suicidal thoughts. Is suicide mentioned in the Bible? Right there. This is the guy that's the prophet of God. We would put him on the Mount Rushmore of biblical characters, and he's having suicidal thoughts. This is what I have come to know and understand. Suicidal thoughts aren't reserved for people that don't know Jesus and are never in church. There are people in the house of God that are dealing with those issues and those struggles. And what I want you to know is you have walked into a place where hope and healing and peace and purpose are not just a slogan. We believe it's a pathway to life and to freedom. Come on, if you believe that, can you give God some praise for what he can do for you and what he can do for me? It's just alarming right now in our country. Suicide rates are just alarmingly high. They keep climbing, and they've climbed every year and increased every year for the last 20 years. This year alone, over 1 million Americans will attempt to take their life. The number two cause of death among high school students and college students is suicide. Number one is accidental death. Like they didn't mean to. It was, just, it was just an accident. Our teenagers and our college students, in the prime of their life, the whole world ahead of them, see no hope. We are the hope of the world. That's why we exist. That's why we are here, because some people are hanging on by a thread, and we want to go to those people and tell them there is hope. Come on, tell three people, high-five them, do whatever you got to do, but tell them right now, there is hope. There is hope. Come on, there is hope. So God... Here's Elijah's cry for help. Man, I love that. God hears Elijah's cry, but here's what I for some of you, I know, I don't know where you're at. Listen, there, there are, so as a pastor, um, one of the hardest things for me as a pastor has been sitting um, beside family members and friends who have someone that has either attempted their life or has tragically taken their life. It's just a, a brutal place. And what I want you to know is if, if that's you today and you're struggling, I want to just encourage you to one more time just, just to cry out for help. And just one last time, just say, man, I'm, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try one more time, and I'm going to cry out for help, because that's what Elijah did. And, it's, you, and I know if that's you, you're like, yeah, of course God heard Elijah. He's on Mount Rushmore, for Pete's sakes. What about me? 
There's another story where Elijah goes and visits the widow, and, and when he visits the widow, the widow had been crying out, I have no food, I can't feed my son. God, will you hear my cry? God heard her cry. Then her son died, and she said, God, you took my son. I need my son. And God heard her cry, raised her son from the dead. God hears the prophet, and he hears the widow. That means he hears all the cries of every child in the world. He hears you when you cry out to him. I want to encourage some of you. I just feel like if you're in that spot, will you do me a favor? Just do me this favor. Just do me this favor. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is the moment where um, you're just giving God one last shot. And you're like, um, you're just right right on the cusp. Will you do this for me? I want you to go home today, and before you do another thing, I want you to read Psalm 34. I want you to read Psalm 34. If you have a friend or you have a family member that is lonely, that is depressed, dealing with anxiety, or in a dark place, God has put you in their life, and you're like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Hand them Psalm 34. It's a beautiful, beautiful prayer from someone else who is in a very dark place and how God met them there. And I believe that when you read that, that the Spirit of God will breathe life into you. It's Elijah. So God hears his prayer. And I love this. God doesn't condemn him. He replenishes him. Come on. That's such good news. That is good news right there. Listen, if you're having thoughts like that, if you've ever had doubts, if you're in a dark place, God does not condemn you. He is ready to replenish you. So he sends an angel, and he bakes him a meal. Look at verse 6. It says, he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. Right there in Scripture, napping is biblical. Boom, right there. There it is right there. Go home today, pull up the, pull up the little uh, blanket on you and look over and say, I'm serving the Lord. Whatever you need. What did Elijah need? He needed food. Sometimes you just need a good meal. Sometimes you're just not eating right. Sometimes it's a physical thing. Sometimes it's a mental thing. Sometimes it's a spiritual thing. I don't know, but our God will replenish you. God wants to, he wants to restore your soul. He wants to renew your mind. He wants to revive your soul, spirit, and mind and body all together and revive you to new life. But he can only do that in the silence. See, silence, it creates space. When I'm de- deprived and when I'm, when I'm weak and when I'm struggling and I get into the silent place, it's where, it's where I can begin to listen to what my spirit is trying to tell me. But not just listen to what my spirit is trying to tell me, but here's the other thing I would like for you to write down. Silence creates space to hear God's spirit. Silence creates space so that I can hear God's spirit. Uh, Elijah, he, he gets fed and he gets the nutrients he needs and he rises up and instead of like this, instead of going back to the noise, he presses forward 
deeper into the silence, he goes to, to uh, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. It's called the mountain of God because that's where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And he's headed to Mount Sinai. He is practicing what we are going to be practicing this week, and that is that idea of pushing back the noise so I can hear God's voice. Come on, tell somebody, push back the noise. Push back the noise. And God meets him on the mountain. In verse 11, it says, go out. And God's speaking here. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. As we read just a few moments ago, there was a windstorm, but God wasn't in the wind. There was an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. There was a fire, but God was not in the fire. And then we read this in verse 12. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. What Elijah discovers in this moment is something that we have to rediscover as followers of Jesus, and that is that God is not in the noise. He's in the whisper. Oh, but that's so frustrating. Don't you want God to shout? Don't you want him to shout over the noise? I want God. I need an earthquake. Come on, somebody. I need a fire. I need You need to make this obvious for me. If you're taking notes, write this down. God shouts at storms, but he whispers to my spirit. God shouts at storms. In other words, Jesus stood up in the boat in the middle of the storm, and he said, peace, be still. Our God shouts at the storms in our lives. Our God can calm the storm in our lives in a second. That's our God. But if you want him to speak, if you want him to speak, he's there in the whisper. He's not going to shout over the noise. I want him to, but he's not going to. He's, he's going to speak in the silence. Why does God speak in the, why does he speak into the silence? Listen, I think the reason God wants to speak in the silence is because he wants us to, to lean in. And he wants to, he wants us to, to draw close God, when I, when I look at this, I think God is like a soft talker. I don't like soft talkers. You know what I'm talking about? You know, when you get up to somebody, you're like, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm doing great. What? This happens to me in the lobby like, I don't know, two, three times a Sunday. And I'm like, I'm just going to guess. God help them. God help, if I, if I ever pray that over you, you are a soft talker. It's like, and it, when somebody's a soft talker, they're like, hey, hey, hey. what do you do? You go, you lean in, don't you? Like, wait, what? And, they, and you got to get closer, and you got to get closer until you're probably uncomfortably close, you know, until you can finally hear them. James, the brother of Jesus, if anybody was close to Jesus, it would be James. And he said it this way, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Like When I, I talk about the mountain of God, Moses and the, and the children of Israel, they had an opportunity to meet with God. God said, I want to meet with you. And they, they come out of, out of uh, captivity. They were in prison and enslaved in Egypt, and they're going to go to God at Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And God comes down in this cloud and in this fire. The people are freaked out, and they go, Moses, you go. We're going to stay here. 
that's very scary. And so Moses goes up, and he speaks with God, and he brings it back to the people. Man, praise be to God. He sent Jesus down the mountain to us. He died. He was risen again, and he has made a way for us to enter into the Holy of Holies and to be in the very presence of God. I can climb the mountain because of what Jesus has done for me. That's a good place to give him praise. I can climb the mountain. Can I tell you, though, what frightens me? So many followers of Jesus are living by an old standard and an old covenant from thousands of years ago that no longer applies to you. I'll just let the preacher tell me what God says. You know what? I'm gonna, I know that person at church. They're a really godly person. I'm going to let them speak for God. You can go to God. You can meet with God, but so many followers of Jesus are not taking advantage of that. And the noise is drowning out the voice of God. God will not shout over the noise in your life. He's looking for those people that are eager to hear from him, that are leaning in, that, are, that, are, that have a heart for him, that are, that are carving out the space, that are creating places of silence so that he can whisper. When I was at the monastery for a week, I, um, I went on uh, these prayer walks, and they have thousands of acres there, and I remember when I was on one particular prayer walk, and I'd been walking for almost two hours, and God was not saying anything to me. Like, I wasn't getting anything, and I was getting frustrated. Anybody ever been there? Like, you're talking to God, you don't feel like he's talking back to you, and I'm like, God, I am in the silence. I am, I am way away from everything. I have my phone. I have nothing. I'm at a monastery, God. Why are you not talking to me? And it was in that moment, God did not speak audibly to me, but, but I heard him as clear as I could possibly hear him, and he said this to me. Can't we just take a walk? Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could, we could take a walk. Wouldn't it be awesome if you kind of gave me something? Because I'm, I'm trying to lead this body and these people, and I want to make sure I'm listening. He's, Brad, I just, I just want to go on a walk with you. And so that's what God and I did for the next 45 minutes. So we walked together. I didn't really ask him anything. And I remember at one point I was kind of getting distracted by these leaves and squirrels and other things. I was like, oh, wait, God, I'm supposed to be on a walk with you. And he's like, would you just knock it off? Look, I'm, I'm with you, Brad. Like, just enjoy my creation. I made all this. Just, just enjoy it. Just enjoy being with me. Like, just enjoy it and, and be with me. And I was like, man. And so often I've missed that because I'm begging God to speak, and he just wants to be with me. There are times when I have pulled away from God, and even there were moments at the monastery where I was on prayer walks, and God, like, I mean, just this odd man, just boom, God's speaking to me, giving me vision, speaking to me about the future, speaking to me about the plans that I have, talking to me about hope over situations in my life, all because I made space for him to operate. He's like, Brad, I can't go to a monastery for a week. Are you kidding me? That'd be great, but I can't. Um, first of all, I would challenge you on that. 
Yes, you can. You can take a week's vacation, and you can go to the monastery. Nobody is stopping you except yourself. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying just eliminate that excuse. That's just it's a weird excuse. Like, do that if you want to. Nobody's stopping you. I guarantee you, men, men, if you went to your wife and said, I'm going to the monastery for a week because I really need to hear from God, I'm guaranteeing you about 99% of the women are going to be like, go. <laughs> go. A week? Can you stay for a month? Go. You don't have to go to a monastery, though. Our challenge this week is to just take an hour. What if you just took an hour, just an hour, and put your phone aside and, and set your, your planner aside and, and turned off the radio? No music, no phone, no, nobody with you, just you and God. Maybe the, a Bible, maybe a journal to write down some of your thoughts, but, but that's it. You just take an hour. Brad, where am I going to get an hour? I don't have an hour. You know, you do. Get up an hour earlier. Oh, now I'm stepping on some toes now. I'm not a morning person. Okay, fine. Don't hear from God. I mean, just think about that. Can you, I mean, just think about how weird that excuse is. Can you imagine you step up, you're next in line in heaven, and God says, all right, so I've been wanting to talk to you for a long, long time. I'm glad you're here. Uh, why? I, I was trying to give you some things. I'm not a morning person. Oh, that, of course, come on in. Of course you're not. No, I mean, God, you can, you can get up an hour early. You can take some time during your lunch hour. Take your lunch hour. Go away by yourself. Go down, walk by the river, walk in a park, sit in your car with no radio, no phone. Shut it off. Put it whatever it takes. I'm telling you, if you want to hear from God, you have got to create space. Because God is not going to shout over the noise in your life. He's going to talk in the whisper. Imagine God speaking to you. Don't you long for that? I long for that. Man, I, that's why during the lit season we're saying take time to pray and fast. Laura says, I'm crazy sometimes. She's like, you got to eat some point. I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm hungry, but I'm hearing from God. I want to hear from God, and I'm telling you, I never hear from God at a level like I do when I'm praying and fasting. It's just crazy. God's like, that dude means business. He wants to speak hope over you. He wants to speak dreams over you. He wants to give you wisdom for a situation, but he's not going to shout over that noise in your life. You've got to create space.